Praise the Lord. Praise God. I am Sarah Meme from Gospel Assembly Church, Bali. I want to appreciate God for His grace that He has sustained us and kept us during this time of the coronavirus. Thank you, children of God, for praying and for standing. Uh, I'm here just to share a little of what I have learned with my dear sisters concerning raising up children. Children are a blessing to the family, to the community, to the church, and to the nation. We all love children. Every couple that waits looks forward to having children. When a lady is expecting, she looks forward to the day she will have the baby. God graciously gives us children according to Genesis chapter 33 and verse 5. You will pardon me, I will not open my Bible just for the sake of saving time. But that scripture tells us that children are graciously given to us by God. Dear parent, remember to thank God for the children that he has given you. Not everybody has them. Let's just look at 1 Samuel chapter 1 verses 5 to 11. 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verses 5 to 11. The Bible says, But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut her womb. And her adversary also provoked her so, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore wept she, and did not eat. Then said Elkanah her husband unto her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul. And she prayed unto the Lord and wept so. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look upon the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thine handmaid a man child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. What brought me here is for you as a parent 
to be so appreciative to God for the children that God has graciously given you. Because somebody who does not have them, they go through a very, very painful time. Here Penina gave her, her, her friend a very hard time, provoked her again and again. But I thank God for the wonderful husband that she had, who comforted her and strengthened her in the problem. Uh, if you are a husband of such a wife, please remember to be compassionate. Children come from the Lord. It's God that shut the womb. It was not her fault. God, in his own wisdom, did not permit them to have a child. And you and I cannot question God. From the beautiful bouncing baby that you gave birth to, to a responsible citizen and a helpful son or daughter, there is a long journey, dear daughter of Zion. There is work to be done. There is training. There is teaching. There are instructions to be given. There is discipline to be that is required. And there are many players that are involved. But at the center is mom and dad who look to the Lord to help them, to give them wisdom on how to bring up this child. In every one of us, if, pardon me, if every one of us did what we are meant to do, maybe we would have fewer prisons. It's God who gives us children. God has given us the instructions on how to get this job done. And this is in the Bible. It's God that will mold the character. But 95% is human responsibility. Come, come with me to Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6. The Bible says, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Training involves effort. It is not a one-day job. Don't give up. It is not for mom alone or dad alone. Both must, be, must work hand in hand. The child loves mom, mom but fears dad. Some mothers don't want their husbands to correct the children. Mom, you will lose your children. They must grow up knowing that dad is the final authority in this home. When he speaks, every one of us must listen. I am talking about a Christian home. Mom and dad are God, where mom and dad are God-fearing children of God, and they take their children
to church, they see to it that the children are not only uh, physically fed, but they are spiritually fed. There are some homes where dad relinquishes his God-given authority, and mom inevitably has to step in and correct the children, but that is very sad. The purpose of marriage is to raise up a godly seed. In Malachi chapter 2, from verses 14 to 15, the Bible teaches us that the purpose, why God made them too, it was to seek a godly seed. In Psalms 78, verses 3 to 7, let's turn there, Psalms 78. Verses 3 to um, Psalms 78 uh, from verse 3 to verse 8. Which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their children showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright, and whose spirit is not steadfast with God. In this scripture, I wanted us uh, to show dad in the home that he has something to do if this child is to grow up in the nature of and admonition of the Lord. Dad, make sure you teach your children the things of God. The family altar is dad to lead the family altar. But when dad becomes too tired and comes and just falls asleep, and then mom has to pray with the children, that is not a godly home. Dad must teach the children the things that concern God. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 7, Please, let's turn there. Deuteronomy, chapter 6, from verse 4 to 7. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. 
And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. This is the responsibility of mom and dad in the home to teach our children the things of God. Teach them the scriptures. Teach them to pray. Teach them to sing Christian songs. Teach them good manners. Teach them life in a reality. Teach them death is a reality. Teach them how to, uh, how to behave in the community. Teach them how to share. Teach them everything that they need for them to be a balanced uh, type of individual in the community that they would live in. The parents have to, have to have time for the children. Mom and dad, don't be too busy for your little one. You will lose them in the process. If you don't teach them, somebody else will teach them. If you don't teach them, the devil will step in and give them somebody who will tutor them in a way that you will not expect. Take time and take them to church. Show them the importance of reverencing a man of God, honoring the things that concern God, honoring the house of God, working at church, doing things for the children of God. Everything I say, we need to teach them. These instructions were to be drilled into the hearts of the children by the parents all the time, as long as they are still under mom and daddy's authority. The parents are God's representatives to the child. They show him God's love, his forgiveness, they teach him how to share, they teach him how to work, and so on and so forth. Work is not a curse. Work was there before the curse was pronounced. Work is made difficult by the additional resistance called the curse. If you turn to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, you will find that man was put in the garden of Eden to dress it, that was work, to keep it, that was work. The girl child should learn how to cook good, tasty dishes. Mom, that is your part. She should learn to be clean, wash the clothes, iron, clean the house, wash plates, scrub saucepans, and so on and so forth. The children must learn from the parents about hospitality. If the child grows up in a home where no visitor comes, or when a visitor is com comes, is looked at as an, an inconvenience, that child will not grow up upright. 
they should grow up seeing mom and dad serving people, not only relatives, children of God, strangers. They should grow to know that when a visitor comes home, you don't just look at them, you give them a chair, you greet them respectively, you bring something for them to eat, you call mom and dad, all those instructions must be given to this child. Sometimes you can visit a home and the children don't even see the need to greet you. And their mom and their dad just look on. That is very sad, child of God. In some homes, the work, the work of the child is to watch cartoons on the TV, eat, play, and sleep. What a duty. Eat, play, and sleep. The house helper will cook, wash plates, clean the house, wash the clothes, do this and that and the other as the child plays. Dear sister, you are doing your daughter a disservice. A child left to himself is going to bring you shame and embarrassment. The Bible says uh, that um, child that is, you know, is not a not brought up, you know, property, it is going to be heaviness to you, the mother. If they tell you it is your child that has stolen, if they tell you it is your child that has beaten the neighbor, if they tell you it is your child that is at the police, mom, you won't go to sleep. So while there is time, the Bible says, chasten thy son when there is still time. Time comes when it is too late. If you don't believe it and you have a baby on your laps, wait and see. Everything we know, we have been taught. Nobody is born knowing. A child, no child is born inherently obedient. Obedience must be taught. The child must be taught to obey dad, to obey mom, to obey everybody older than them. The child must, must be taught all this by you, the parent. Training goes hand in hand with the discipline. Come with me to Proverbs 20 and verse 15. The Bible says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but a rod of correction will drive it far from him. That foolishness in the Living Bible, it is interpreted rebellion. A child grows up with rebellion in their heart. Unless you subdue that rebellion, it will grow as the child grows. You who doesn't believe in what the Bible teaches. How are you going to dis dislodge that foolishness? Don't discipline without clear instructions. Let the child know exactly what you want them to do. If that is violated the first time, warn him. 
promise to discipline him if he does not obey you. If he continues disobeying, please deliver what you promised. Let him know that when mom promises, she also delivers, or else she's a liar. You, you consider the age of the child and the offense. Don't just beat the child like a mad person. We are not talking about child abuse. We are talking about proper, considerate restraining of the child. If we had all the time, I would take you to, uh, to, to First Samuel, where his sons were not behaving right in the house of God. And God himself said, I'm going to judge Eli for the sin that he knoweth. He said his sons make themselves vile and he does not restrain them. That restraining right there in that scripture is disciplining them. The older, the tougher the punishment. The more grievous the offense, the tougher the punishment. A child that is left to grow without any discipline at all will end up behind the bars. The mother that is always defending her child, one day she will have to defend him before the police. If you let your child disobey you, you are turning a problem onto society. Make sure the child understands the reason for the punishment. If the offense was committed in the morning, don't punish the child in the night. He will have forgotten. He will wonder why mom is so cruel. When the child has done well, please reward him. Praise him. Give him a gift. Just as we are quick to correct the wrong things, we should also be willing and, and be there to really praise that child so that he grows up knowing that good is rewarded and bad we are punished. Tell him Bible stories. Tell him about David as a young boy, how he grew up looking after the father's sheep. This shows that the, the, a child in the home should not left doing nothing. There should be responsibility instilled in them. There should be work. He should sweep the compound. As the girl is cooking, the boy should be doing something. You know, and when he comes from school, he should learn to wash his socks. You know, all this, mom and dad, please do yourself a service by drilling in your children these responsibilities. When you look at Samuel as a young man, as a young boy, he grew up in the hands of Eli, the man of God. He was cleaning, taking care of the church, taking care of the man of God, and being sent here and there by Eli. You can find that in First Samuel, 
chapter 2, verses 18 to 19. I will not turn there, but you will find it. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 26, the Bible tells us, This young man grew up in favor of both man and God. He grew up an obedient child. Every one of us loves an obedient child. Every one of us wants that child that is quick, that can be sent here and there. So was Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 19, the Bible says, Samuel did not let the word of God fall to the ground. Why he was obedient was because he was taught the things of God and he grew up obeying the word of God. How is your son? Is he obedient to you? Would he consider a man of God? Would he obey a man of God? Come again to the same scripture. God called Samuel three times out of sleep, ma'am. Can you call your child out of sleep three times and he doesn't complain? Think about it. Each time he woke up and ran to Eli, thinking it was Eli calling him. And when he called him the third time, this boy still ran and did not, you know, what would your son and my son have done if they were in the shoes of this young boy? They called you out of sleep. You run and say, here I am, and say, no, I didn't call you. You go back and sleep. They call you again. You come and say, here I am. They call you the third time. What would you have said? But thank God for Samuel. My question is, how obedient is your son and daughter? Would they have woken up? Would they have murmured and grumbled why Eli was disturbing them? For Samuel to go and serve Eli, the man of God, the parents must have taught him how to honor the servant of God. They told him it was a blessing to serve God's servant. Would your son or daughter have agreed to go and serve the man of God and remain there year by year? Because the scripture tells us that the parents visited him year by year and the mother made for him a little coat and each time brought for him. How come Eli, Eli you know, was able to keep this child so well that the child did not even want to go back with the parents. May God help us, children of God. The respect and obedience we see in Samuel was also seen in the mother. Come with me to First Samuel chapter 1, verses 12 to 18. First Samuel chapter 1 verses 12 to 18 and it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord 
that Eli marked her mouth. Remember she was barren. Remember she had come to the house of God in bitterness of soul. Remember the co-wife had provoked her so much. And now she comes to the house of God and she's praying. And the words are not coming out. Eli, the man of God, marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spoke with her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered, No, my lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. In the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy, in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did it. Here the man of God rebuked Hannah wrongly. She did not get annoyed with him. What a spirit. She even never told her son about the rebuke because he would not have wanted to go there. The son would have hated the man of God for treating his mother like that. As a parent, what do you speak about the man of God to your children? That that you speak they, and they hear will affect them either positively or negatively. Think about this if you have, uh, for example, a coffee garden, you make sure you prune it. You remove the excess branches for better results. You do the same for other crops, whether tomatoes, whatever you are growing. If you leave the too many branches on the tree, you will not get good fruits. If you have a pet at home, you make sure you tame it. Train it to obey you. And we find that it really finally learns uh, the master's instructions. If you are in a Tesla, for example, you will find that they train their bulls to plow for a, for a better harvest. But when it comes to the child, you are told, please, don't inflict pain on him. Just let him grow freely. And shower him with a lot of love. Give him a lot of freedom. Let him explore. He will turn out a good boy, a responsible, hardworking, etc., etc. Isn't it amazing? The divine author gave us 
a manual on how to get the job done. Let's obey. We shall see the results. May God bless you. Come where the fountain flows free. Come to the river of life and drink eternally. If you're thirsty for some water and your soul is also dry, let me take you for it has an endless supply. Come to the water, come where the fountain flows free. Come to the river of life and drink it.
Welcome to our Saturday evening service. I trust that the Lord's mercy has been upon every one of us, given us grace to listen to His word and uh, these enlightening messages that are meant to work in our lives, work in our hearts, change our attitude so that we can become better people, better children of God. In the last Wednesday service, we were looking at uh, Matthew chapter 24, how the Lord was going to pick his children wherever they would be hiding around the globe, around the world. Uh, the last three and a half years of the last prophetic hour of the Gentile time are going to be terrible. We have already understood it's a time of tribulation. And uh, the church will function. It will be an underground church. It will not be open. Uh, it will be terribly persecuted until the saints will, ha will go into hiding. And at the end of it, the Lord comes and... Um, He's going to send his angels. Wherever those saints will be hiding, they are going to, he's going to speak to them, come up hither, come up hither. And so that will be in preparation for him to come down and start the march from Mount Sinai to Jerusalem. So here in Matthew <clears throat> 24, we read verse 31. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect. Not every person, but his elect. You must be an elect chosen of God. Salvation is not in our hands. We just have to cooperate. But it's God that saves. It's God that uh, bestows his mass upon an individual, open his understanding, touch him to love God, uh, to serve God, to do anything for God. Uh, there are people that God chooses uh, that's why the goodness of the Lord, the scripture says, leadeth thee unto repentance. If God loves you, <clears throat> he will cause you to uh, repent. He will cause you to realize that you are a sinner. He will cause you to realize that you have sinned before him, and you will repent. But if the Lord's mercy is not upon you, uh, you will harden your heart. You will say there is no God. God doesn't exist. There is no such a thing as God. But when God has had his mass upon you, I tell you something will work in your heart that causes you to love God, that causes you to uh, 
love to serve God, love to read the Bible, love to pray, uh, love to work for Him. So in verse 31 he says, uh, together is elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Wherever those saints of God, the elects, wherever they will be hiding, the Lord will send his angels to gather them, telling them, come up hither, come up hither, and they meet him at cloud level in preparation for that much from Mount Sinai. Now, these, to some people, children of God, let them not appear to be fairy tales. Uh, if the Lord does not help us, this will look like uh, idol talks, idol, you know, tales. It will look like an idol story. These are not stories. And as children of God, as we listen to the end time events, let's take our salvation seriously. Let it not appear to us like it is to people that are outside God, people that don't know God, people that don't acknowledge God, that God is in charge and God rules the earth, and he does everything that he wants to do in the earth. Uh, nobody can hinder him, nobody can direct him, nobody can tell him what to do, but God does what he wants in the earth. As children of God, we should understand that. It should be in our mind, it should be in our hearts, that God is in control of everything, everything that happens. And so let's not be like non-believers, non-Christians, and it appears a very good story. Brother Mama is a good Bible uh, storyteller. And they're telling us stories. These are real things. Real, 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 real. They are going to happen. Uh, do you know, uh, just to say, to show you just a couple of scriptures here in Luke 24. Jesus had talked many, I'm, I'm sure, uh, had talked many times to his disciples, the apostles and the rest of the disciples, how he would be crucified by the sinners, by the religious people. And after three days, he would be killed. And after three days, he would resurrect. He told them how things are going to happen. Do you know? They were not, after they saw him crucified, it goes without saying that they would have just counted three days and just say, I'm sure the Lord is somewhere. He has come back from death. He has resurrected. Because he had told them he would resurrect after three days. He had talked to them. Uh, it's not something that just happened without uh, them being told at four times. They had been told. They had been with Christ. They had been with Jesus. But look at this narrative in Luke chapter 24. See how even the apostles and the rest of the disciples, see how they behaved uh, when Christ has resurrected. In Luke uh, chapter 24 and uh, 
Let's read verses 1 through 11. Why we are turning there is to let you know, let not these events as we narrate the seals being opened, uh, the trumpet uh, plagues being sounded, then the vials, the last seven plagues of the wrath of God being poured out. Let it not appear to you as a story, uh, some idle talk. These things are real and they are going to happen. It should cause a seriousness on your part, a seriousness of coming closer to God. Uh, look at COVID-19. Is this an idle talk? Is it a story? When you look at television and you listen to international news, you view international news, do you see what is happening in the United States? That's one of the most developed countries on the globe. But do you see what is happening, how people are dying? Is that a film? Are you into a cinema? All these are real. Do you see people dying? Is that a story? A sickness that has covered the entire world. Can we call that a story? Or oh, is it something that we can accept that is real? Now, if it's real, then these also, God, like we have been seeing, diseases, plagues that are going to affect the entire world. Terrible things, famine, a lot of diseases and plagues that are going to affect the entire world. Like you have seen, COVID-19 affecting the entire world. It's not a story. Just because somebody has not died in our nation doesn't mean what we are seeing on the screen is a story. Who knows what will happen? We are just praying God to have mass upon us. We can't even say, those nations can't even say, we are so developed, uh, <clears throat> we are so advanced, <clears throat> pardon me. Even med our medical science, our scientists have gone so far. We can take care of any plague, any disease, see how people are dying. Those infected daily in developed countries. And people are dying as though it's just uh, a, a plague that can't, uh, that takes everything. So these are not stories. Don't look at this as we open scripture after scripture. Don't take it as a story. Take it seriously that it will happen. If COVID-19 is real, then all these plagues are real. They are going to happen. And that should cause me, as we are going to see, it may be I will be spared. It may be you will be spared. It may be you will not be spared. Depending on how you handle your life, depending on how you are living, how you are relating. Do you know most of the children of God are backslidden uh, during this COVID-19? Their love for God has gone down. Their devotion to the things of God have, has gone down. They don't care about the work of God, whether the work of God is kept alive or not. They don't care. 
they will do what they want, they will do to build themselves. You need to learn from developed countries that take care of everything. They have medical insurance, they, have, they live in very nice houses, very good roads, very good environment, and God has allowed COVID-19, and they are dying in thousands. Not that I'm laughing at that, but I'm showing you reality. That these things are going to happen, we shouldn't take it as a joke, we shouldn't take it as a story. They are going to happen. Put your life right. Serve God. Support the work of God. Support your pastor. Let not your pastor go hungry. Let not your pastor go naked. Let not the work of God be laughed at. Support the work of God. As you take care of your needs, take care of the work of God. Make sure you check on your pastor. Make sure he, every, the work of God is in his shame. Uh, let not the, the ungodly, those that don't love God, those that don't know God, let them not laugh at the work of God, the facilities uh, of God. But let's be devoted, knowing God is going to judge this world. We are seeing, and the dark continent, as they used to call it, where medical facilities are not up to date. There are less that have died than in the developed countries. Isn't that God doing it? Isn't that God doing it? Isn't it Amos uh, who says, uh, uh, shall anything happen in this world? Put your finger in uh, Luke 24. But uh, turn with me to Amos, uh, chapter uh, 3. Is it chapter 3? I want to see here. Yes, Amos, chapter 3. He says uh, in verse 6, Shall a trumpet be blown in the city, and the people not be afraid? Shall there be evil? in a city. COVID-19 is an evil. Shall there be an evil in the city and the Lord has not done it? Uh, we are blaming Chinese. Chinese were just uh, an agent. They were just used. But behind it all, we must accept God dealing with a population, God dealing with the people that don't want to retain God that don't love God. It's a judgment of God that we must see. <clears throat> we can't blame solely on the Chinese. It's God dealing with man all. See what is happening in Brazil. The graves, until it is graders to cover the coffins. Is that a story? My question, I keep asking you, is that a story? Is that an idol talk or is it reality? Just because it hasn't happened in your city, in your home, doesn't mean it may not, it will not come, doesn't mean that everything is okay with you. It's just the mass of God. That's why it should cause a fear. It should cause me to love, to move closer to God. Uh, it should cause me to be devoted to God, to serve God, to tell others about God, about the goodness of salvation, the goodness of the Lord, how God can save you, baptize you with the Holy Ghost, how God can protect you, how God protected the children of Israel 
when they were slaves in Egypt, how God was with them, how terrible things were happening in the rest of Egypt. But when it came to the children of Israel in Goshen, they were protected. They were under the cover of God. God was with them. You know, <clears throat> the scripture says, whatsoever things were written aforetime, they were written for our learning that we through patience and the comfort of scriptures, we might have hope. You know that that can also happen to us, that we can be covered if we get devoted, if we love God, if we stand for the work of God, we can be covered. Uh, you can be covered uh, for COVID-19 not to touch you. And so, let's not take these as stories. Back to Luke 24. See, Christ had talked to his disciples. He had talked to the apostles. He had told them he would be crucified. He had told them sinners would crucify him and uh, they would kill him. But also he told them he would resurrect after three days. They knew it. <clears throat> now when it takes place, it looked as though those were idle talks. Let's turn to Luke 24. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, <clears throat> that was Sunday, <clears throat> they came into the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. They couldn't even remember. They would have just said, my God, like, just like he said, thank God. Just like he said, he's resurrected, he's risen. My God, they could have just jumped up and down. It has come to pass. What we were told has come to pass. They would have just been happy. But let's read the, the story. So, and found not the body of Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed. Why were they perplexed? He had told them, after three days, he would resurrect. Why were they <coughs> perplexed? So, <coughs> verse uh, 4, they were perplexed thereabout. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? They were still seeking for the dead body of Christ. He had told them, he, on the third day and that Sunday, the far, the th that uh, first day of the week, that Sunday was the third day. He had told them, he had told them on the third day he would resurrect. <clears throat> Why were they surprised? Why were they perplexed? They took the words of Jesus as though uh, they, he was not meaning, he was not serious. So, in verse uh, uh, 5, uh, no, verse 6, he is not here, but he is risen. Remember, now that's how we come to know, 
remember. The angels are telling them, you people, remember. <clears throat> are we going to remember these things? Those that will be alive by then? When these things are happening, that we are covering, that we are learning? Will you remember what you were taught? Will you remember what you were instructed? Will you believe or you tell them as I do talks? That preacher is just telling stories, Bible stories, but these things are not real. If COVID-19, I keep saying, if COVID-19 is real, then these things that we are learning in the scriptures, they are going to happen. Don't take it as a joke. Don't take it as a play. It's not a film. Those are things that are going to happen. See right here, the disciples, they had been told. And they are being reminded. He's not here, verse 6, but he's risen. Remember, he said, call to remembrance how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee. <clears throat> the angels are, told, are telling these ladies, his disciples, remember what he told you. Don't forget. Don't think it was a story. Don't think it was a play. What he told you was real. What he told you is exactly what is happening. There is nothing new here. What he told you is what is happening. <clears throat> so, why he was in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. He had told them he would be delivered to the sinners, sinful men, and be crucified. He had told them. Uh, <clears throat> you remember Peter rebuking even the Lord when he said he was going to be killed, he was going to be crucified, said, be it far from thee, until the Lord rebuked him terribly. Thank God uh, <clears throat> he had a, a right spirit. <clears throat> Thank God he did not react badly. So, into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and the third day, rise again. He had told his disciples that. He had told them. But they were not taking his words seriously. That's why we don't want you to take what we are learning, what is being exposed to us, what we are being told. Don't take it lightly. It's going to happen. Correct your life. Mind about the work of God. Don't backslide under COVID-19. Don't get so serious and uh, you're just building yourself, improving yourself, doing good to yourself. People in the what they call the first world have done that in these developed nations see how COVID-19 has put them into confusion. You can't say, I've prepared my life so well I've prepared my life so well. If any sickness comes, I have medical insurance. It's going to take care of that. It's not bad to prepare for that. It's wisdom, it's prudence. But when you rely solely on that, that's the arm of flesh. And as a child of God, you cannot rely on the arm of flesh. We must trust God. We cannot rely on the arm of flesh. We must trust God. We must believe God. We must know that if anything is going to be done, it's going to be God. 
True, I should be prudent and have medical insurance and prepare for the worst. But, be as it may, there must my faith should be in God. Have faith in God. It's God. Isn't it Psalms? Uh, we are coming back here to Luke 24, but uh, Psalms, in the book of Psalms, uh, chapter uh, 127, Psalms 127. Um, here the Bible says here in Psalms 127, 27, except the Lord build this, a house, they labor in vain that build it. You labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Except the Lord keep the city, unless the Lord keeps the city, unless the Lord keeps your life. You can have medical insurance, you can have all the money in the bank, but unless the Lord protects you, unless the Lord has had mass upon you, you do it in vain. You will be destroyed, you will be judged, you will be dealt with. Our confidence, our trust should be in God. We should have faith in God. We should not trust in these earthly things. So, when open services are not there, people are backslidden. Save the people, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Let not this sickness make you become person of the world. You don't even read the Bible. You don't even pray. You don't even tell anybody about the church, about the body of Christ, about salvation. We don't even check on each other. We don't know even where, how we are doing, how each, every person is doing. We've backslidden. We must wake up. The church of Jesus Christ is still alive. We must keep the work of God alive. If we concentrate on how well we can get, how rich we can be, then we will lose the mark. There should be still the work of God. There should be still people uh, desiring to work for God, keeping the, uh, the facilities that God has given us clean, and telling our neighbors about the impending judgment, how things are going to be, Letting this message reach out to the rest. Sharing with the friends, with the cosmetics, with the OBs, with the neighbors. So that God can have some people that he will preserve. So, it takes the Lord. <clears throat> Back to Luke 24. He said, verse 6, he's not here, but he's risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. Verse 8. And they remembered his words. Now, after they have been reminded, that's now when they remember. And they remember these words. And returned from the sepulchre. And told all these things. What had happened. They told all those things. Unto the eleven. And to all the rest. 
They told all those things to the eleven and to the rest. Verse 10, it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and other women that were with them which told these things unto the apostles. His sisters told what had happened at the sepulchre. They told uh, the story to the apostles. Verse 11. Verse 11. Verse 11. Verse 11. And their words seemed to them as idle tells, and they believed them not. Being told, they were told, Christ told them, he would be arrested, crucified by sinful men, killed. But on the third day, and this day, the first day of the week, Sunday, the first, on the third day, he would resurrect. They told the apostles, imagine apostles, very high office, apostles. Let that be a challenge. If apostles thought those were stories, are you an apostle? Personally, I'm not. Far from it. But if apostles thought these were idle tales, idle talks, how much more? See how COVID-19 has caused many to deteriorate in their spiritual life, to where God does not cross their mind, reading the Bible and devoting to God and loving the, striving to keep the work of God, taking care of the servants of God. Many of our churches, the pastors are going through hard, hard, hard time. They are not being supported because the saints are busy in their own things, in their own programs, in their own matters. And they have left the pastor. Pastor, take care of yourself. Uh, <clears throat> were we genuine when we congregated together? Were we genuine when we lifted up our hands to God and prayed and worshipped God? Were we genuine? Oh, we were just <clears throat> acting. Were we genuine? Uh, <clears throat> is the time over? God forbid that we should forget servants of God. God forbid that we should backslide under this COVID-19. This should speak to us. Here, apostles who were told, the people that were the closest to Jesus Christ, the highest, one of the highest gifts of the ministry, Apostles, they told them, he's risen, he's risen. We saw the angels, the angels talked to us. But, and their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. They couldn't believe what the sisters were telling them, that Christ was resurrected. Now, the question is, when Christ was with them, and telling them what was going to happen. Did they believe at that time or they didn't believe? Did they think Christ was telling stories? Was Christ a storyteller? 
or he was telling them facts. He was telling them what was going to happen. Were those stories? Apostles being told? Were those stories? Like the judgment that has now, that is in the earth? Really? Is that a film? When you see on your screen, television screen, and you see people dying, you see hospitals full, graveyards, people are packed as though they are just merchandise. These graders, the ones putting soil on them, driven by man, is that a feeling? Are we into a cinema? Oh, it's real that God is dealing with us and we need to change our attitude. We need to change our conduct. We need to change the way we behave. Are we into a feeling? If it's real, let's learn from this. The apostles, very high uh, gift in the ministry, apostles, and we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. It's one of the high gifts of the ministry. They were told, Christ told them. Did they believe at that time or they were saying, Jesus Christ, you are just telling us stories. You are just joking. This is not going to happen to you. That can't happen to you. This is not going to happen to you. No, that is not going to happen. Now, they are being told by these sisters that it has happened. No, they looked like fairy tales. Looked like idle stories. Stories being told. Child of God, in the body of Christ, wherever you were, these things are going to happen. Let's not, let's learn a lesson from the apostles. Let's not take it as idle tales. These things are real. I'm not just telling Bible stories. It's real. It's going to happen. End time events. These are going to happen. Wherever you are, just know these are going to happen. Put your life right. Love the Lord. Serve God. Stand and proclaim this gospel. Don't backslide. Don't sit in your house and think everything is always going to be the way it has been. I think it is uh, Peter who says here in Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. That's why we appreciate those that are supporting their pastors, even that are supporting this online ministry. If it is a blessing to you, please support it. It 
takes money to keep the work of God alive. We appreciate every one of you that sends in the, the offering so that this ministry can continue keeping the work of God alive, telling us what is going to happen. And let's not take them as uh, stories, but something that is going to happen, like when Christ told them he was going to be crucified, he was going to die, and on the third day he would resurrect, and it happened. It wasn't a story, it wasn't a play, it wasn't a film, but it was real, it happened. These things that we are learning, angels coming and looking for the saints of God, looking for the elects in the rocks, wherever they are hiding, uh, the angels looking for them, it's not just a story. They are these things are going to happen, these things are going to be real, they are real, and they will happen. So we better put our lives right. <clears throat> in Second Peter uh, chapter 3 and verses 1 through 4. This second uh, epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stop your pure minds by way of remembrance. He say, I stop your pure minds by way of remembrance. It's trying to remind them. Let's not forget. We need to learn these things. Have them in our minds. Seals being opened. Trumpet plagues. Vials. The last prophetic hour of Gentile time is going to be dramatic. So many events. So many when the bride of Christ is taken. My God, the mystery of the church, the mystery is finished. The Gentile church is a mystery. It took a long time before people came to understand that even right in the prophecies, God had talked that he would have a church from the Gentiles the Gentiles would also come in. The last three and a half years of the prophetic hour of Gentile time is going to be terrible. The church will not be operating openly. Saints will go into hiding. These things should be in our mind. What is going to happen? Uh, when it happens, we have been taught, you go back and study the scriptures if you have written a note, look through your notes. As the things happen in the world, you listen to news and you are ready. It may be you will be hid. And it is also true. It may be you will not be spared. Why? You are careless. You thought these were stories. So Peter puts them as in remembrance. That you may be mindful of the words which was spoken before the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers. Look at that. 
walking after their own lusts, scoffers, people making light of the gospel, people minimizing the words, minimizing people that are standing for truth, and saying, what will these scoffers be saying? What is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, since our fathers died, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Things are the same. They think things will be as usual, as usual. Things will happen like it has. No, time come, time is going to come. When God must judge this world, the way we have behaved, the way we have turned ourselves into something that is quite embarrassing, human beings doing things that are unbecoming, God must judge this world. I always say, if he doesn't judge, then he needs to resurrect the antediluvian generation and repent to them for judging them. And yet he's not judging this. He's not judging us. He has to uh, resurrect those that he destroyed in Sodom and Gomorrah and repent to them for ra uh, raining fire and brimstone on them for judgment of what they were doing. Uh, and for us, we are doing the same and he's not judging us. So he needs to repent those that he judged. But he's not going to do that. He's not going to resurrect. He's just going... Just like he judged the antediluvian generation, he's going to judge. Just like again he judges uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, he's going to judge this world. If you think these are stories, you are of all the people the most unfortunate. Because if you think things will continue, like scoffers are going to show up, and say, ah, no, nothing is going to happen. We are just going to continue enjoying, continue being what we are doing our lives. You see people, how sad they are that certain things uh, they are not uh, enjoying, bars are not, uh, uh, are not functioning, and all these other things that they enjoy, where they can go for discourse and all the others, uh, because that's what their life is, and they think it will always be that. They don't know time will not come. Time will come when they will not look for a disco hall. When they will not be asking where is there a bar around here. But they will be in pain. They will be in pain, in agony. That will not be a time like it has always been. I'm going to have a bottle of beer. I'm going just to have a dance. I'm just going to watch football. I'm just going to go to the gym. I'm just going to do this and the other. Time will come when you cannot do that. When you just say, my God, what is happening? When it will be tears and pain. So this is covered, you say, we don't see anything changing. Uh, for since the world, our fathers fell asleep, since our fathers died, all things are continue as they were 
from the beginning of the creation. They don't even know what happened. They, didn't, they don't even know that uh, um, God judged the world. So, God help us to take this message seriously. And in Proverbs 17, Proverbs 17, this is what Proverbs 17 and verse 10, this is what we should be doing. A reproof entereth more into a wise man than an hundred stripes into a fool. Are we going to be wise? Can we t look at what God is doing, has started doing? This is just a sample. God has just sampled COVID-19, covering the entire. I've lived, and it is in rare cases, you walk through the town covering your mouth. We used to see that doctors, when they are taking care of patients that have contagious diseases, people covering them all over, that was for medical staff. Uh, the first time I saw people, the, the rest of us that are not medical people, covering was SARS. When SARS was around, that was another sickness. People covered their mouth, nose, mouth, nose. We never imagined that we would, people would go streets, if you go into streets and everybody is covering their mouth. What does that speak to us? The scripture says, A reproof entereth more into a wise man. Are we wise? Can we take the word of God seriously? Can we say, Now, jokes aside, <clears throat> things are changing. Things in our world will not always be business as usual. But as we, the longer we live, the more we are going to see God dealing with man. But like it is going to be, judgments can fall, and people who don't believe God, they will even become worse. They will curse God. But God will close your mouth. Like now we are forced to close our mouth. You don't want to speak so much when you have a mask on. You are not free to speak. You would have loved to gossip and speak so loudly and shout. But when the mask is on, you have few words to say. So, you see how our mouths have been, are being tamed. We should take in a reproof entereth more as the Lord is dealing with the population, dealing with us in the world. Let it enter. Let's be wise 
and know that things are serious. It's not going to just be a play. So, I wanted to make those remarks so that you don't take these, this knowledge, this understanding, this precious knowledge, this oil from the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, an understanding from the scriptures that helps us to cope with the times, to know what to do, to know the end of the world is about to come. Things are going to be more serious. God is going to deal even in a more serious way than we thought. So, let's take this, this understanding seriously. It's not, I'm just not telling Bible studies. I'm passing to you, to you, passing on to you knowledge from God's Word that will help you to cope with the times. So, we were saying in the last service that when the bride of Christ is caught away, there will be a church. Now let me slow down. There will be a church that will be left behind. It will not function openly. It will be an underground church. The last three and a half years of Gentile time. The last prophetic hour, the three and a half years of the last prophetic hour, which is seven years, the church will not function like it functioned in the first three and a half years, where there was a lot of power, where the church signs miracles, the church functioned with a lot of power, that will not be the story. So saints will be hiding in rocks. It may be that the Lord will preserve some from the persecution. It may be, <clears throat> when a statement is like that, it may be the Lord will not preserve some from the persecution. Some will have really to go through, <clears throat> like the matters that we read of in the scriptures. So let's turn to Zephaniah. Let's turn to Zephaniah, one of the minor prophets. Zephaniah chapter 2 and um, verse 3. Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek, meek person, person that is obedient to God person that is in tune with the Lord, that obeys God, is meek. Not that he goes around folding his hands and like this and praying like this and we say he's meek. That's not meekness. Meek, you break at the word of God. You tremble, you obey, you implement you love the Lord with all your heart. God is number one. 
And if God is number one, then the church is number one in your life. How do I know God is number one in your life? When the church, when the work of God is number one in your life. Because Christ died for the church. Something that Christ died for is not a useless institution. He gave his life for the church. He died, shed his blood for the church. Is that a useless institution? Is that just a fun institution? That's precious. And for God to be number one in your life, you should be loving the church. The church should be number one. So, he says, seek ye the Lord. If you are meek, seek the Lord. Come closer to God. Uh, worship God. Love God. Seek ye the Lord. Holy meek of the earth. All meek, you tremble at God's word. You are like Samuel. That never let the word of God fall to the ground. He says, uh, Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness. Seek meekness. Seek to be meek. He says, it may be you shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. It may be half for half. It may be. So, how can I solidify? How can I be sure that I'm hid? Do the right thing. Let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandment. For this is the whole duty of man. How can you be sure? You can't live your life carelessly. You are very busy on your own things. You don't love God. You don't pray. You don't seek. You don't evangelize. You don't support the work of God. And somehow you just say, just because you confess Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, or just because you are part of the body of Christ, it's going to be automatic. No sir, no ma'am. You must do more for the Lord to preserve your life. It may be, even as you are a child of God, you are going to go through it. You are going to suffer. You really partake of the judgment because you were so careless, then the Lord allows you to suffer it. Probably you'll wake up and turn to the Lord and be more serious. You're going to go through it. Maybe the Lord will preserve. How can the Lord, how can I uh, uh, take myself, how can I carry myself to where? Maybe the Lord preserves me. Be serious. So when it says, it may be, be meek, obey God, tremble at God's word, do the work of God, it may be, you will be hid. It may be, you will not be hid. But I'm sure every one of us would like to be hid. When these judgments, the judgments that we have read of, that we have talked about, I would to God, I would be spared. So, it's not just going to be 
automatic. It may be very interesting statement. It may be you shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. It may be you shall not be hid in the time of the Lord's anger. How you carry yourself will determine <clears throat> whether you will be hid or you will not be hid. How you carry yourself. The Lord help us that we shall be serious. So, some saints will be persecuted and killed. Others will be hid. Some saints will be persecuted and they will be killed. It is God that determines. Some God will allow, like he has allowed when you read the entire Bible, matters. It may be you will be martyred. It may be the Lord will hide you. He knows probably you would deny the Lord and your precious, the way you have lived your life. He may decide to put you, to cover you, and you are hid. So, the saints will be, some saints will be persecuted and be killed. Some will be hid. But, we must know, not all the church will be persecuted unto death. We can be persecuted, but not every one of us will be persecuted unto death. Some will be persecuted and not be killed. Some will be persecuted and be killed. So one thing that we shall, we must know, and that will be God to determine who are those that are persecuted unto death, and who are those that are persecuted but not killed. Some will be delivered from death. Some will be delivered from death. If I can quickly, as our time is running out, quickly Psalms 91, I think it mentions something here. Psalms 91 Verses 5 through 7. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. These are those that are going to be spared. They will not be persecuted unto death. Pestilences, sicknesses, diseases, calamities, all these problems that are going to happen, some will not be persecuted unto death. 
The last three and a half years is going to be a lot of persecution. A lot of persecution. Some will be persecuted unto death, some will be hid. And so the right thing to do, let's be devoted to God, let's be work for the Lord, even under COVID-19, saints of God, let's not backslide, let's love the church, let's support our pastors, let's not let our pastors starve or go naked or uh, lose houses uh, where they are renting and they go back to the rural areas or back to the villages. Let's do our best to support the work of God like we were supporting when there were open services. Let's do our best because these things are just to wake us up so that we do the right thing. Thank you for listening. I pray that the Lord will protect us and continue to help us. May the Lord bless you. Amen. Peace.